fellowship God. I thank you for all that it has stood for over the years and that it has stood against the attacks of the enemy, Father. I thank you, God, that many have come to know you, Father. I pray, God, that those that aren't with us, Father, today, Father, wherever they are in the world, God, as they have moved on, I just pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that they would love you, that they would serve you with everything that they have. And I pray for this home today, God. I thank you for protection and provision for this home. I pray it would not be in lack, Father. I pray for health for everyone in it, Lord. And God, I pray for those who would walk through these doors today, God. I pray that chains would be broken in the name of Jesus, God. I pray, Father, that your word would continue to go forth here, Lord. It would never be watered down, Father. And that uh, the kingdom of heaven, Father, would continue to expand, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 24, verse 1 through 12. He is risen. Amen? Amen. Luke 24, verse 1 through 12. We're going to have our time of scripture reading before we get into worship. But early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He is in here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrapping. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Let's move on to verse 35 through 49. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. 
Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then, look at that, verse 42, no, 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed and the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power from heaven. Amen? Let's worship our risen Savior.
Amen. Amen. He is alive. Community is the word I've been sharing about and will continue to talk about throughout this year in hopes to encourage you to be a part of community, to be a part of fellowship. And as we talked about last week, listen, we know there's many different communities on this earth, but the one community, the one and only community that has the truth is the Christian community because Jesus is the center of it. And Jesus, it was His purpose, it was His will to come and establish the church on the earth. He told them, as we just read, to wait. That the promised Holy Spirit would come. That the followers of Christ would be empowered by the Holy Spirit, God Himself in them, to accomplish what God has purposed and planned from the beginning. As we've heard many times over and over and over, what is God's plan? The Bible is very clear. It is to have a people that he will call his own, and in return they will call him their God. From Genesis all the way through Revelation, it's exposed to us. God is not the one who is bad. God is good. We're bad. The created is at war with its creator. Because of sin, because of the rebellion that took place in the garden. But God was not surprised by the rebellion. The Bible tells us that the cross had always been purposed. Even before the earth was formed, even before he spoke, the cross was already purposed. Jesus knew why he was coming. It wasn't a second It wasn't plan two or plan B for God. It was always plan A. It is the purpose that God again will have a people that he will call his own and in return they will call him their God. We saw last week when we we read through how Jesus was entering into Jerusalem. He was at the center and they were worshiping. They were worshiping. But they had no clue of who he was. Same as it is today, as it was then, as it was even then, as Jesus exposed the religious of his day, just as the religious of our day are exposed. They have a lot of knowledge, but their knowledge is not applied. See, when knowledge is applied, it's truth. And it's the truth that sets us free. How does the Bible tell us that he transforms us? By changing the way we think. Jesus looks at the religious men and he tells them. Now don't forget these men are well studied. They know the scriptures. They know the prophecies. They're the ones leading God's people. But Jesus exposes them. He calls them. The children of the devil. He tells them, you travel far to win comforts, but you make them twice as much the son of hell as you are. But Jesus comes in the midst of all of this chaos on this earth. For one reason and one reason only. To set us free. 
from sin and death to liberate us from our own rebellion to give us his victory we don't have to work for it it's a free gift salvation is a free gift it's not by our works it's a free gift he willingly came to lay his life down so that we would live He took upon all punishment that we rightly deserve from God. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. There is an all-out war, and I keep reminding you, we are behind enemy lines. But the Bible encourages greater is he that is in us than he... That is in this world. In light of the resurrection. Nothing can compare. No matter what is going on in your life. And we will have trials. Life will be hard. But Jesus says be of good cheer. I've already overcame the world. See when you think upon the resurrection. When you understand that he is the resurrected king of kings and lord of lords. It changes your perspective. When the temporal things come at you, when the fleshly desires want to flare up, when the enemy is breathing down your neck, you can remind yourself, oh no, none of that is greater than the resurrection of my Christ, of the Messiah, of the Son of God. And in Romans, it tells us that the same power that raised him up from the dead is within us. If you're a believer, it is within you. But I've encouraged us before, do you give thought to that? When you recognize that you're behind enemy lines, as you're getting up and you're preparing for your day, as you're stepping out into your day, as you're going through your day, do you give thought of whom you belong to? And what he has accomplished for you. The Bible says, if you confess and you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he rose from the dead, you're saved. By faith you believe that. Not because of anything of your own, but because God is pleased to reveal himself to you through his Son, Jesus And as you come to that understanding, the Bible tells us that we are born again of the Spirit. It's a new birth that is taking place in us. And I love the fact that Jesus didn't leave us alone. He established the church, the community of believers, the community that is to be together, (laughs) serve Him and one another to accomplish his purpose, his plan to seek and to save the lost. We're commissioned to go and tell of the resurrected Christ. And you've heard me say it multiple times. There's a lot of people who say they believe in Jesus, but their Jesus is still in the manger. And if he's not in the manger... He's on the cross. 
And he's not on the cross, he's in the tomb. But the Jesus in the manger, if that is still where he's at, if he's still on the cross, and if he's still in the tomb, he's no Jesus. The message of that Jesus would be foolish. If that's all that we had to preach. No, no, no. The good news is, is that he was resurrected. He rose from the dead. He defeated sin and death. And by that, boy, do we have a message to carry out into a darkened world. We carry not our own light, but his light, his truth. We are a community of believers serving our Lord as we go forth collectively doing it together because we're the body of Christ and we need each other and we need to be healthy members of the body. We need to be able to go forth and the, whole, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts among the church and collectively we use what we have been given to honor Him. And I love the fact that the Bible tells us we're to think of others before we think of ourselves. And that we learn of Christ and as the Holy Spirit leads what it is to be a community. So I want to throw out these definitions that I've been sharing with us. Community, a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. A feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. It's horrible to see that the lost and their communities have more of a love for their community than the church community. There's a lot of people who have a lot of bad things to say about the church. And that's sad. Because that's the bride of Christ. And yet though we're not perfected, we are maturing. And yet though each and every single day we ought to recognize that we are to be his hands and his feet. The religious people will always be among the church. The wolves will always be among the church. But let's call it for what it is. It's them. The church in herself is to be without spot or blemish. The church in herself is to be reminded of who Christ is and what he's accomplished through her. I mean, look how Jesus writes the letters to the churches. He reminds them of who he is and who they are through him and what their purpose is. And that's so important each and every single day that we recognize that. And that we honor Christ in our community. And that we're learning how to live differently because we've nailed our old man, our old woman to his cross. The interest of the world for us is no longer, and our interest in the world is of no longer, the Bible says. Like it's Jesus living in and through us. The resurrected Christ who has given us his Holy Spirit to accomplish his will. 
to go forth and to share the good news. I've encouraged us the way that we've done church. It can't be done any longer like that in our generation and in the generations to come. There was a season for the church to do as she has done, but it's time to shift because things are ramping up. Jesus is returning. (laughs) This is our hope. And so as we see the signs of the time, as we see things are ramping up, as we see the enemy coming in like a flood every which way, the Bible says that the Lord is going to raise up a standard, and that standard is righteousness. And who carries that standard? The church, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so it's time that we awaken to truth. It's time that we awaken that we are purposed for such a time as this. I've encouraged you all as I encourage myself. It is getting dark, but don't let darkness spook you. (laughs) Because darkness can never extinguish the light. Oh, it's going to try, but it can't. And so you have to encourage yourself. And you have to be encouraged. And we it's iron sharpening iron. It's we're we're needed. Our first dependence is upon him, and then it's upon each other to link arms, to go forth day in and day out, living for Christ, honoring Christ, preaching Christ. How are we doing with that? As you're going out, as it's ramping up, as Jesus is approaching, like we're going to be pushed out of society. See, the open windows that we have for many years, they're closing. Read the book. We're going we're gonna to be pushed out. Have you seen how Christians are depicted in movies and TV shows and in the media? Murderers, crazy people, terrorists, haters. Uh, Have you not seen? And it's ramping up. There's an agenda that the enemy has. (laughs) But it shouldn't take us by surprise because we're told. That's why we have, to, we have to be wise. We have to be innocent as doves and wise as serpents and understand how to navigate through this world, not in our own strength. And you can't do it alone. You need community because we're all going to face challenges and struggles. We're all going to face issues. And that's why it is vital that we are transparent with each other. First before God and then before man to keep the community healthy. Not just tolerating sin, not just excusing sin. It is quite interesting that the church, if you're sitting among the church, a lot of times what you hear is we talk more about our sin We talk more about the flesh, more about our struggles, more of just excusing this and excusing that. And don't call that out to me. And we have all these reasons. We should be talking about our God greater, who is greater than our sin, our struggles, our torments, our diseases, or whatever else is going on. 
God is greater and God is good. And there's nothing for us to hide. And we're not trying to measure up to man's expectations. No, we're just living for Jesus and a fallen world. And we need him and we need each other. And we ought not to be hiding things. We're to be exposing the fruitless deeds of darkness. You're not throwing shame on me. I'm not going to be bound by shame and guilt and condemnation. No, when you're reminded that you're liberated in Christ, you fail, get up, repent, expose it, live for Christ, honor Christ, love Christ. And as we've been studying King Solomon, the Bible, as we read, says that he, was, he loved God. But as I showed you how Scripture really exposes what that love is, it's no different than what Scripture says, and he loved foreign women. It's the same love. And we realize he did not have a covenant loyalty with God. Oh, I love God, but also love this. And that's not how we're to be living. That's not how we're to be living. We're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our bodies, and with all of our strength. And it's time that we awaken and realize the hour in which we're in, we're purposed. We're not here by accident. You were created for this chaos <laughs> to do good works that he's prepared for you to do. See, we, we got to get up every day on purpose for Christ and his kingdom. Not cowering down, not being enslaved, or no, no, not, not, not doing anything but honoring Christ. And if you're having issues, if you're having things that that need to be addressed, or you feel like you're lacking somewhere, well, then just ask him. And then connect with others. Pray for one another. Encourage each other. Edify each other. Build each other, because that's what we're called to do. And then as we're living this out in the chaos, chaotic times that we're in, The Bible says that every generation, that people are going to take notice. To some, you'll be a stench of death. To others, you'll be a sweet fragrance of life. We go forth, we plant, we water, but we leave it up to the Holy Spirit to harvest. We're just going forth and we're just living, you all. Honoring God. So I have some scriptures today that I want to encourage you in community. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 9 through 10. And I'm very passionate about this when I was praying for this upcoming year and, and that word just kept being dropped in my prayer time. <clears throat> I'm just so encouraged what God's going to end up doing in and through not just us, but the church at large throughout the earth. Because again, yet though the world is getting darker, I'm believing I'm believing we're going to see such an incredible revival take place among the earth. Because Jesus himself, he warns us, listen, all of this is going to happen. And he lists all this chaos. But y'all, would you remember what the Bible, that I pointed out to what the Bible says? He says, but my gospel will be preached throughout the earth. Nothing is going to hinder God's plan. Nothing ultimately is going to hinder God's plan. He will use everything that is coming against you, coming against the church, as a 
platform for you to step up on to accomplish what he's purposed for you to do. Your trials are not there to defeat you, to destroy you. They're there to equip you. To equip you. To accomplish what he has for you. Look at Second Peter, I mean First Peter chapter two, verse nine through eleven. I want to make sure I'm right. First Peter two. Yeah, I'm looking at the wrong one. Nine through eleven. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and to his marvelous light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war. Against your very souls. Stay away from them. Remember your identity. I told you. If you just read the letters. Written to the church. It's basically reminding them. Grow up. Don't stop growing. Keep maturing. Again you're not striving for perfection. You'll be perfected. And we'll be perfected when we are with him. But until then, we are to be growing. We are to be maturing. That's why I'm always fascinated when I counsel Christians. And a lot of times I hear them say to me, don't tell me to pray anymore. Don't tell me to worship. Don't tell me to fast. Don't tell me to read scripture. Well, what else do you want to be told? Because you are a spiritual being. If you want to stay enslaved to the flesh, then that could be your choice. But understand nothing good is going to come from it. Sometimes that's all you can do is press in, even when you don't feel like praying, feel like fasting, feel like worshiping, feel like reading the Word. Sometimes you just got to get up and you just got to press in. Because the more you learn of Him, the more you grow in Him and become more like Him. This is good news. You were saved, not just for yourself, but for the purpose of God, for others to see his resurrected life in you. Amen. That is why you were saved. Not just to make your life better. To have increase and increase and increase, double blessing, hundred time fold. <laughs> and even if you did get all that, it's not for you, it's for you to give. It's for you to serve. It's for you to be about your father's business. See, it's all about him. And somehow we've listened to the lie of the enemy to make it all about us. <laughs> because he's a liar. And he's the father of lies. And he is still running them up. <laughs> but old Christian, you better remember, he is defeated. He has been dragged out <laughs> and open, openly and publicly shamed. And this is whom we're giving credit to. Oh, no more. Oh, no more. 
No, no. All that God has purposed. And that's what I love as we're reading through Kings. I don't know about you, but I'm getting so encouraged as I'm reading because you're seeing the fulfillment of what God has promised. And God is doing it not because Solomon is good or David was good. No, it's because God was good. God is accomplishing his plan and his purpose. It's coming about. And even now in our generation, God is accomplishing not because we're good, but because he's good. And that's why I always keep telling everyone, we've got to stop learning our theology from the world, from the enemy. No, no. Get in the living word of God. Know your God. Trust your God. Live for your God. Honor your God. Above all, love him. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. Listen to this. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude. Oh, can we just sit there for a moment? Did you hear what the living word of God has instructed us? So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you, church, children of God, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you would be anxious to do the will of God. Oh, as I was praying through this scripture this week, I'm reminded yet again of the persecuted church. I'm reminded of our brothers and sisters and their faith and their love and their zeal for God. And they go about their day-to-day lives preaching the gospel in places you can't preach. And as I told you before, I'll give you yet the testimony again, just in case you didn't hear it the, hundred, the last hundred times I've said it. But today, in our world, overseas, families gathered together. The father led the prayer time. The mother probably led the worship in their home. And then they look at either themselves or themselves and their children. And the parents then look at their children. Or if it's just the husband and wife, they look at each other. And they encourage each other with this. Don't deny him. When you go out that door, don't deny him. This is true. These are actual testimonies. This is how they prepare Not just on Sundays, (laughs) but every day. Don't deny him. I might not make it home today. You might not make it home today. But don't deny him. Even if they drag me in front of you and do God forsaken things to my body. Don't deny him. Don't deny him. 
and peace people live their lives honoring Christ, faithful to Christ, good stewards of what they've been entrusted with. A lot of times when when you read the documents of the court hearings that take place for these Christians, do you know even those who may bring charges against them, do you know what the accusers say about them? They're good citizens. The crime is, is that they're talking about Jesus. They contribute, but they are talking about Jesus. See, they have no other means to to, to deem them as crazy folk. People that aren't contributing to society. Their charge is that they're sharing about Jesus. So off with their heads. And I go, Jesus, would you, would you help us in the West? Would you bring us to our knees, God? That we would have the same sincere devotion that when I step out my front door, I'm not going to deny you. See, I'm not going to have, and you're not going to have the guards racing up to you or the police officers or the government yet, the weight of the government upon you. But you'll have everything else testing your faith, testing your loyalty, ultimately testing your love. Are you going to be able to stand for truth in these days? Are you going to be loyal to the God who has redeemed you who has saved you. He's not a God that you just conjure up. He's not just another religion out there. I've encouraged you, you go look at all these other religions out there. They steal from the truth. They all are rooted here. They just don't have the resurrected Christ. God help us. And Peter is writing to the church, reminding them, you're to be living for God. And you may may have to suffer. And look what he said there in verse 2. You won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. And I love what it says here. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things. They do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. You see, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. This is that community aspect. (laughs) 
for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have a gift, the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Talking about community. Scriptures that I hope would encourage you to persevere. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25 through 27. Scripture reads, This makes for harmony among the members, among the community, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Again, the church, the community, we are the body of Christ. He is the head. Each of us have a purpose. That's why it's vital that we are discipled. Do you know the enemy is at war to hinder discipleship? Among the community, among the church at large. Because if he can keep us ignorant, we're not going to grow. (laughs) All we can do is remain stagnant. And for the majority of the people who remain stagnant, do you know what happens to them? They go back. They go back. And as I said a few weeks ago, the crazy thing that we've done is we've created more apostates than disciples. And that's why we have to shift our focus and what the church is, is doing. We had our time. We had the open windows. Now it's time to, to get rooted. To allow our roots to grow down deep into Christ. To know who he is. And know who we are. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. <clears throat> Verse 9 through 12. Oh, I love these scriptures. (laughs) Two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Oh, how we need each other, you all, to accomplish what God is calling us to do in our generation. The Heidelberg Catechism. It is this tool that I've been using from the, since January. 
And it's a tool that was written years ago to equip the church. We must be equipped. The Bible says that we are to go forth and defend the faith. We're to go forth and and be able to, to share our faith, to know what we believe. Again, before I became a Christian, Christians that I would approach to make fun of or to challenge, those who were able to stand and stand confidently in who their Christ is, I just backed down away. But those were far from few. The majority of people, they quivered, they shake, they didn't, they couldn't answer basic questions. And how sad is that? That ought not to be. We are to be equipped. We're not going out beating people over the heads with the Bible. We're not going out there running amok and acting a fool. We ought to just be living your life. I've always told you, you ought to be the best workers. You ought to be the ones that are committed. You ought to be the ones who, who are, are good stewards of all that you've been entrusted with. You're, because you're learning and you're growing as, as you're walking in the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says that if you habitually walk in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Like our lives are to be lived differently than how we were living them. <laughs> because again, the, the testimony coming from our life is the resurrected Christ. For so long, I saw no power in God. You can tell me about Jesus all day long, all day long. But there was no power being displayed. And as we read a bit ago, when Jesus opened the minds to the disciples. Oh, how I, that's what I've been praying for. Is that our minds would be opened that the church in the West, that our minds would be opened and that we would believe that there would be such a great awakening taking a place throughout the earth that we are being, we're being prepared, we are preparing for His return. And as we're going about, as we're living it out, we're just sharing our faith. We're encouraging others. We're praying for others. Listen, people want to have spiritual conversations. You don't have to attack them because they don't believe what in Christ. Just have a conversation. I mean, we're going to, hopefully we may get to it today. If not, we'll be next week. We're going to see this king who was an unsafe king approach Solomon. Solomon had good relationships with this king. Solomon wasn't, wasn't in error of having this relationship with this unsaved king. This unsaved king recognized the God in whom Solomon served, and God recognized what that king served. But they were able to have relations. They were able to, to talk, and they were able to communicate with each other. So it's not that you're going out there, running amok, just carrying on, just, you know, acting a fool. But you must share your faith and you must give them the opportunity to share. And then you can leave it at that. 
You can leave it at that. Remember, the only people that we are called not to have anything to do with is people who call themselves Christians and then deny the power of God to transform their lives. Do you realize that's the Bible? The Bible tells us those are the ones that have nothing to do with. Cut them off. Or as Paul told the church, turn them over to Satan in hopes that their soul will be saved. See, even if you get to that point, with people. You're not doing it from an arrogant place or a place that you want to see the people destroyed. No, you're doing it out of love. Because how I'm going to allow you to continue to claim Christ and yet keep trampling on his blood as if it was common and of no power. That's not to happen. My God, we're even told not to eat with someone who calls himself a Christian and yet doesn't live like one. This is what the Bible says. So we're not out there running them up. And the world is not our enemy. They're lost. They are controlled. The Bible talks, tells us. And just as they were, we were. So we are not greater than them. No, we just remember what it was like. See, I like what that one scripture says. We're not plunging into what we used to do. Because we understand that the flesh brings nothing but destruction and death. But Jesus has defeated sin and death because he rose again. We're serving a living God. And so anyways, I've been sharing this tool, the Heidelberg Catechism. We're still in part two, deliverance. God the Father, Lord's Day 10. Listen to these questions. And I've encouraged you all, go back. Because the answers to these questions are all scriptural based. And we give you the scriptures. But this tool was a tool, again, written years ago to equip the church. And so here we are. We're talking about God the Father. The question is, what do you understand about the providence of God? If someone asked you that, how would you respond? Do you even know? I mean, listen to the answer. So again, the question, what do you understand by the providence of God? And here's the answer. The almighty and ever-present power of God by which God upholds, as with his hand, heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us, not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. The providence of God, you all. Do you know him? Are you trusting him? Do you understand that he is overseeing all things? And we have to remember the basic understanding of God, that he is good. See, your whole life, your whole life before Christ, you've been told how bad he is and what a wicked God and how can a loving God allow such bad things to happen? I mean, just listen to what you've been instructed and taught before you came to Christ. Just listen how people are talking out there about him. 
But when your eyes are open, when your mind is open to truth, because God was pleased to reveal himself to you through his son Jesus, and you realize that, wait a minute, you love me? I'm a complete rebellion towards you. Like, I am the worst of sinners. And yet you love me? Like, you stepped in and you're revealing yourself to me? It's very humbling because you recognize your nature. And you go, oh God. Oh God. How great you are. How good you are. How loving you are. Oh, your grace and your mercy. And God, you are overseeing all things. Question two. How does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? Here's the answer. We can be patient when things go against us. Thankful when things go well. And for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing in creation, nothing in creation... Oh, hear that again. Nothing in creation will separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in God's hand that without his will, they can never, I'm sorry, they can neither move nor be moved. And I would encourage you to take these questions, take these answers, sit down, open up the scriptures as they're given to you and see the truth and the scriptures, the living word of God to encourage you to know your God. To know your God. And that's what it's all about. That's why we do what we do here. So I just want to open up the doors, have people come, not to hear me, but just to get to know God. Because once you know Him, once He reveals Himself to you through His word, through His Son, Like, you can't help it. But to humble yourself, to repent, to turn from that old way, to receive this great salvation from the risen King of kings and Lord of lords, to be born again of the Spirit. The Spirit. I'm telling you, everything that is happening keep telling you all it's like living in one of those weird christian movies like i can't believe it that we are seeing in our lifetime just everything escalating i mean you wake up and something else darkness has just increased at another level but again that's not to frighten us that's not to make us go and put our heads in the sand no no it's just waking us oh we got to be equipped Like, we can't just play church anymore. Just come and go as we please. Just, okay, it is what it is. Okay, I love Jesus. Ah, You know, no, no, no. No, no, no. As time keeps pressing on, as the Christian faith and Christians keep being pushed out of society, listen, there's going to come a day where you have to give an answer. Do you believe? (coughs) Are you a believer? Or an unbeliever. You have to answer. 
And if you're living for Christ, oh, they're already going to know the fruit in your life. So how weird would it be that you would then say, cave under pressure and call yourself an unbeliever? (laughs) That you would deny him? No, no. You just got to be able to stand you all. And I believe. Do what you want. Take what you want. But I believe. I believe. Do you believe? We're going to take communion now before we move on to more scripture on the resurrection. But as we prepare to take communion, I just want to encourage you as the song is being played over you. Do you believe? Jesus says to do this in remembrance of me. The bread. The bread represents his body broken for you. The cup represents the blood that was shed for you. Do this, he says, in remembrance of me. And so I just want to encourage you that before you take the elements together, you're going to have time to just allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to convict if conviction is needed for any active sin in your life that you just need to repent of. That you would really truly understand what it means collectively to take the elements together in remembrance of Him. And I pray that it will be a blessing upon you. So Norman, if you would come while I get the music prepared. Thank you, Jesus, for the 
in remembrance of your broken body. So we hold this cracker wafer bread in our hand, nothing other than a symbol of what you did, Jesus. As you had with your disciples the night before you were crucified, and you told them that your body would be broken. So we sit in the quietness of this moment with a grateful heart that you allowed your body to be broken for us. We do this in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name. Take the bread. And Norma, would you pray over the cup? Take the cup. Amen. Let's go to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. As I shared earlier, we are a living testimony of his resurrection. I'm hoping to share these scriptures to encourage you as you go forth this week to give thought to that. So Titus chapter 3 is where we're going to begin. Verse 3 through 7. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But... When God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Listen to what Scripture is revealing to us and how we are to be living our lives. In honoring Christ, that our lives would be a living testimony of His resurrection. That there is a renewal taking place in us. 
that we are being transformed. That that power that raised Him from the dead is within us. And that this new life is to be lived by the Spirit, not upon by the flesh. And that's why even Paul had to write the church and tell them, what are you doing now? After receiving what you received in the Spirit, why are you now trying to live it out in the flesh? No, this is the new life, you all. And I've encouraged you over the years, over and over and over again. Who are you now? I remember when I came to Christ, and it's still the same simple prayer I pray then as I pray each day. And it's just as simple. How now then shall I live? I know how I would live if I was in charge. If it was about me, myself, and I. I know what Rob likes and what Rob wants to do. And how Rob will do it. But Rob is dead. You're a dead man walking. You're a dead woman walking. You're a living sacrifice unto Christ. You're living for Christ. You're learning of Christ. And yes, it's not easy to die. But things you have to let go of. You can't just keep doing what you used to do. Because listen to what it said there. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slave to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God, when God, through Jesus Christ, when he revealed his son to you, Oh man, what a glorious day. And oh, how I pray for each of you that you recognize that. And again, you're not trying to live up to man's standards. Like God has set the standards. (laughs) Holiness. Be set apart. Live differently. You're not like the world. You're not like those who are lost. You've been set free. Now go testify of the freedom that you have found in Christ. Go share the gospel. Go point others to Jesus. But know this, he says, you're going to be hated. You're going to be despised. You will be rejected. Because they did it to me. See, when you, and I've I've said this throughout the years, when you truly think about the call of the disciple, the natural man, you can't grasp it. Because who would follow him? In the natural mind, who would follow him? Why, Why would I sign up for this? I mean, think about it. When Jesus was just performing miracles, when he was feeding them, when he was tending to their basic needs, Thousands of people followed him. What's harm in this? Look at him. Yes, he's a good teacher. Look, he's doing for us. But as soon as Jesus' ministry shifted to the cross to reveal 
who he really was. Thousands. Not just a few. And the Bible calls them his disciples. They were learning. They were listening. They were watching. But as soon as he began to reveal the spiritual understanding of who he is and what he's come to do, they said, what is he saying? This is too hard for us to understand. And I've shared this with you over the years. You should be able to repeat. I should be able to point to those who have been here for quite some time. You should be able to finish this. They left and Jesus stood there and watched. He knew they were leaving. What do I always say? If I was writing the Bible, that's where my temporal mind would say, well, Jesus wept. Like he must have wept, but he didn't. He stood there and watched them. The Bible doesn't say that he ran ahead of them and said, I'll dumb it down for you. Just stay. No, he stood there and watched. And then he looked at the 12. And don't forget, Judas was of the 12. He knew all along who Judas was. <laughs> but he looked at the 12. Are you leaving too? Yeah, Peter says, where can we go, Lord? You hold the words to eternal life. Do you know him that way? Do you understand who he is? He's, again, just not a, a figment of someone's imagination. There's no way that men could have conspired throughout all the course of history to come up with this and make it fit so perfectly. And then everything that has been captured in it come to pass. No, no, this is the living word of God. This is, we're talking about Jesus, you all. Compassionate and yet also tossing tables, flipping tables. Dealing directly with the, well, those who were interfering with God's purpose and plan. But yet coming to seek and to save the lost. Listen, if you are in Christ, you've been delivered. Amen. You have the hope of Christ. And the Bible says that hope in Him will never disappoint you. If you're disappointed today in life, then your hope isn't in Christ. Your hope is in whatever, whoever failed you. <laughs> but when your hope is in Christ, well, you live differently. Listen, we all can go around the room and talk about our lives and everything that we're facing that we may not be right in them. <laughs> but that's our problem. We're focusing too much on all of that and not on the one who is the only one that can address the issues of life. The call of a disciple 
to deny yourself, to pick up the cross and to follow him. Jesus says, don't put your hand to the plow and look back. Because if you do, you're not fit for my kingdom. He didn't pull any punches. He tells people, consider the cost. Because it's going to cost you everything. You see, your life is no longer your own. You just don't come to Christ. You know, or giddy and whatever. No, you've got to measure it up. You've got to consider the cause. You've got to recognize, oh, wait a minute. He's just not some, you know, weird, goofy, you know, godmother image that just wants to serve me and do for me and then take me away someday. No, no, he is calling you out of rebellion and into peace. Romans 5.1, therefore now you are at peace with God, your creator, through Jesus Christ, who reconciled you back to God. Have you recognized that you, if you're not in Christ today, that you are living in rebellion, your fist is up to the living God, declaring, you're not God. I am. You see, he's a loving God who's made a way through his son for us to be redeemed so that we wouldn't continue to live as we did. But that we're purposed, y'all. This is good news. We're purposed to go forth and to live. How then now shall I live? God, I just want to please you. I just want to love you. I don't want it to be about me any longer. I heard the call. I wrestled with it, God. But I believe. Do you believe? Do you believe? Because your life ought to be impacting. Your life ought to be in service unto the Lord and ministering and sharing and loving others. Go to Acts chapter, I'm sorry, Acts. Go to 1 John chapter 5. And somehow we've gotten comfortable with the enemy just peddling out the word of God. Just throwing it out there. The devil, the devil don't mind you having the knowledge. He minds it when you apply it. Never people have sat in church the whole entire lives. And that's all they have. It's just knowledge. But they never surrendered. And they've never obeyed. And how sad. First John chapter 5. Verse 1 through 12. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not, oh God, hear this, 
burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome, you all. For every child of God defeats this evil world. Oh God, hear that again. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus was revealed as God's Son by His baptism in water and by shedding His blood on the cross. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with His testimony. So we have these three witnesses. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And all of these, all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about His Son. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about His Son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have, son, whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. Faith in the Son of God. We are to be a living testimony of the resurrected Christ. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. We've already gained the victory through Christ. Again, it's the renewing of the mind. That's why the battlefield is the mind. That's why everything, every day, every hour, every waking second, everything's being bombarded at you, thrown at you, to try to overtake the mind. To try to make you identify with it. The enemy's not ignorant. And we must remember, yet though he's not ignorant, he is defeated. And he can come and he can wage war against the mind. But that's why I love it when the Bible tells us take every thought captive, bring it into the obedience of his lordship. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Because if you give him a foothold, he's going to develop a stronghold. And what is a stronghold? It's a pattern of thinking that you begin to believe that is contrary to the truth of God's word. Oh God, what do I do, pastor, if I have a stronghold? Well, praise be to God, the Bible gives us great hope. He gives us the weapons of our warfare to demolish them. Listen, church, we got to get up. We are to be actively engaging in warfare. <laughs> you just don't get up and just exist. You have to actively engage and live out your faith. We have to live out our faith. Like, yeah, no. Try me. Come at me. But bless the name, let me remind you who I belong to. Let me remind you that you have no right or authority over my life, 
over my family. Come at me with all you have. But I will remind you, you were already publicly shamed. Listen, we've got to be actively to engage in this. That when you see that your flesh, in Galatians it tells us the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. You have to be actively engaged. And remind that flesh, oh yeah, you're dead. Let me remind you. I once was. But now I am. I mean, there's a way in which we're called to live, you all. And it's in a way of victory. Not anything of our own. We're nothing. Nothing. In and of ourselves, we're just rebellious creatures. Rebelling against its creator. How crazy is that? And I keep telling you, in our rebellion, we're demanding our right. For destruction. Let that settle in for truth. That's how we live apart from Christ. We're demanding our rights to be destroyed. We're all going to the grave. <laughs> but ultimately from the grave, you're only you're spending eternity one place or another. And it's not because God's a bad God. No, God's a loving God. He's a merciful for God. He desires that none shall perish. That's why he made provision through his son so that you can escape from your rebellious being that's demanding your right to be destroyed. Nothing good comes from the flesh. But listen, y'all, we can live that's my hope for us, and that's my prayer for us today, that when you get up from this place, like you would choose to live. And if you're not in Christ, that you would be saved today, that you would be born again, that you would take the steps and be baptized, and then take the steps to be discipled, that you would get rooted and grounded. And if you're apart from Christ, if you've accepted Christ, but you've gone every which way and forth, and you know you're not walking in, in the fullness of what Christ and who Christ is and what he has for you, then how much more do you have to go through until you surrender again? Like there's a way in which we are called to live. And we need to live it out in Christ and in community to accomplish what he's doing. Jesus is returning, you all. Jesus is returning. And how's he going to find us? Oh, how I pray our lamps are filled and ready. Go to Galatians chapter 2. Oh, the good news of Christ, you all. The resurrected Christ. He's not still in the tomb. He's not still on the cross. <clears throat> He is risen, and risen indeed. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 through 21. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body. 
by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Have all your rules and all your laws. Burden people with the the to-do list. All you want. But all you're doing is making them twice the son of hell as you are. It's not about keeping the law. It's not about fulfilling and doing and working and working. Am I good enough now, God? Am I good enough now, God? That's, that's, that's tiresome. But wait a minute. You're not calling me to that, but what you're calling me is to freedom. Because of what Christ has accomplished. He didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. And boy, when you really grasp that, the freedom that comes, you're not keeping it to this or to that or to this or to that. The freedom that comes and the confidence that you have in Christ to be able to live and say, wait a minute. Because of Christ, I'm right with God. He did it all. I just believe by faith. And then in my faith, how do I see myself? Crucified. With who? With Christ. Because the Bible all through the New Testament, what is our position? It tells us we are where? In Christ. We are seated with Christ. We are in Christ. This is your identity now. This is how you're living now. Through Christ. I'm not burdened. Remember we just read that. I'm not burdened by his commands. No, I freely follow. Because of his great love. For me. And for you. Are you hearing scripture this morning? My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, so I live in this earthly body. Because we haven't been transported to heaven. No, he left us in this earthly body (laughs) to testify of his resurrection. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. And look at, as it continues, who loved me and gave himself for me. Like no one else is going to do that for you all. Nothing and no one else can fulfill you or complete you. That's why I love it when Jesus says, peace I leave with you. Peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. Wholeness that can only be found in Christ. And yet that's what the depths of our very nature, apart from Christ, is longing for. We just want to connect. We just want to be at peace. We just want to 
feel like we belong, that we are loved, that we have some sort of identity, and yet we're trying to find it in everything that's out there that's created. We're trying to find our purpose and our wholeness in the created that is temporal, that's not lasting. Do you understand how crazy that is? We don't see it when we're blind. It makes sense. But when your eyes are open, you go, what am I, why am I still chasing that? There's nothing there. All I have is here. It's in him. The one who loved me. The one who gave himself for me. I'm not going to find it. In anywhere else. That come and parade whatever you want. <laughs> come bring whoever you want in front of me, whatever you want in front of me. Like when you've made up your mind, yeah, no. Jesus, you're my all in all. I'm not perfect, but God, you are maturing me and you'll grow me until the day I am in your presence. <laughs> I will not <laughs> allow myself. To remain in bondage. Not after all you've done. Not after all this truth. Oh, trust me, it'll keep parading itself in front of you. It'll keep trying to entice you. It'll keep trying to influence you. But you better know that you know that you know that you know. No, I'm a living testimony of the resurrected God. And I will not dishonor him. See, you got to start talking. When your mouth just wants to keep lying and spreading gossip, backbiting, causing division and strife. When your heart is divided, when you're unloving and uncaring, when you're bound by lust and deception, everything else out there, you better remember who you belong to and whom you're to be representing. And you better repent and get up the righteous man follows seven times, but he gets up. First John says, I write to you that you will not sin, but if you do, remember. <laughs> so you've got to remember. You're in actively, you're in a, you have to be actively engaging in warfare. But you've got to recognize you have the victory in Christ. I remember. Like it's going to be 25 years, I believe, this year. And it's no credit of mine. It's all of him. But 25 years walking with the Lord, serving the Lord. Well, there's been many of times I've shared with you that, yeah, as I gaze back, it's an easier road. But what would I go back to? It's there. So you have to ask yourself daily, what are you going back to? You're not to be like that dog that goes back to its vomit. You're not to be like that pig that goes back to the mud. You're a freed man. If you're in Christ, you're a freed woman. And there's a way in which you are to be living. And that way... It's as if he's been resurrected. Because that's what your belief is. Remember your belief in your confession that he is the son of God and that he was risen from the grave. And that defines you now. 
in every choice, in every decision, everything about your life. That is what defines you. And so if you're living contrary to that truth and you're a Christian, well, by God, you better take the weapons that you've been given and begin to demolish those strongholds and become liberated yet again in Christ. And if you're not a Christian, then come to Christ. He's pleased. God is revealing Himself to you yet again, giving you yet another opportunity to stop holding up your fist and claiming you're right that you're God, and He's not. God is good, you all. He's merciful. He loved you and gave Himself for you. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And this is where we're ending today. We'll pick back up next week walking through our scriptures. But 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Hear it again. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right. Listen to this. For the sake of your own salvation, and hear this, and the salvation of those who hear you. Others are watching you. Others know you're sitting in church today. Others have heard us claim that we're Christians. Oh, I believe in Jesus. And you're either leading them to Christ are you leading them or you're leading them away from Christ? For the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you, keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Keep a close watch. The Bible is very clear. We're not to be a stumbling block. We have the good news, you all. We have the good news. And that's why as I've been thinking about, as because we just started the book of Acts. And I hope you're praying. I'm praying that you're reading through the book of Acts to be encouraged. But I love the fact of what we're seeing taking place when the church was birthed. And then just not then, but even up and now, all the way through church history, if you study it, you look at it. 
all the way up into our generation and how the Christians are, are impacting the world around them with the truth of God's word. Lives are being liberated. Freedom is being announced to the captives. There is hope rising in every generation because Christians, true followers of Christ, have been proclaiming it. And they have been enduring. They have been going through. I mean, we see just from the first part of what we've read in Acts of what they've had to endure, the beatings, <laughs> the being ushered in to the, into the court to, in front of the Pharisees. They're being told, stop speaking about this man. I mean, we're, we've, we're, we just picked up to, to, to learn about Stephen, the first martyr. And we're going to see all the way through them endure such great trials and tests. I mean, Paul, for God's sakes, was beaten to the point of death and dragged out of the city. And he didn't get up and cry about it. He, he didn't just wander aimlessly around, oh God, why did this happen to me? No, he got up and he went right back into that city to proclaim the goodness of God. Oh, Christians, we need to have a backbone. We need to recognize who he is and who we are. He is the risen king. He is not dead any longer. And he isn't a figment of someone's imagination. He is God and God alone. And how I pray that you're encouraged today to know him as the resurrected one. I'm going to play this last song of worship. And then I'll close this in prayer. Yeah. 